Okay, we're beginning now. Sunday, the portion of Kairach, which focuses primarily on this very horrific dispute raised by Kairach. So the first verse says, Kairach, the son of Yitzhar, the son of Kahas, son of Levi, and Dasan of Viram, the sons of Eliav, and On, the son of Pella, of Reuven. So it says that Kairach took, literally it's took, we translated according to Rashi that he separated himself. So the first Rashi says that this passage is very well explained in the Midrash of Rabbi Tadhuma. What is Rashi doing here? Rashi is a Pashtun. Rashi comes to explain the literal meaning of the text. So, and the Rashi is coming always to answer the questions the person learning Chumash has. So Rashi knows many questions you have when you learn this verse. And Rashi knows brilliant answers for them. But all these answers are in the Midrash. And Rashi, as a Pashtun, as someone whose self-defined paradigm, his box, is explaining the literal meaning, he can't give you over something that's not part of the literal meaning. Now, sometimes Rashi will give over a Midrash, but whenever he's giving over a Midrash, it's a Midrash which has become part of the literal meaning of the verse. But, of course, there's many Midrashim that aren't literal, can't be part of the literal meaning of the verse, but would really well answer your question. So Rashi here is saying, listen, I know your question, I know the answers, but the answers are Midrashim, and I can't give them to you. So if you'd like to look them up in the Midrash of Rabbi Huma, you can find the answers to your question. That was the first Rashi. The next Rashi. So literally, the word is Enkarach Tuk, which Rashi is saying means he separated himself. He took himself off to one side to be separated from the assembly of the Jewish people because he started raising this controversy over the priesthood. And Rashi is saying this is how Onkelos translates the word Tuk to say he separated himself, meaning he separated himself from the rest of the assembly by creating this dispute. That's the first way Rashi explains the word and Karach took. The second thing is he, so the first thing is he like took himself. He took himself aside from everyone else to make this controversy. The second way Rashi explains it is he took, meaning he took these 250 men, heads of the court, that he persuaded them to go with him, meaning Kairach, as we're going to learn soon in one of the Rashis, he had a personal agenda here. And because of his personal agenda, he wanted to create an entire shakedown in the hierarchy of the Jewish people at this time for his own personal gain, for something very specific he wanted. Now, he understood he was very wise, and he thought, if I just go and complain, how come I want this and didn't get this, He'll be like, you yeah, know, whatever, this is what God said, or this is what Moses did. I mean, like, you know, who are you to argue? So I can't make a whole public controversy of my own personal issue because who's going to support me? Why, why would they fight for me? So I have to make a controversy that's fighting for the Jewish people. And in this controversy fighting for the Jewish people, where basically Karach is now going to come and his point of dispute is going to be, what do we need leaders for? Why do we have leaders? All of us are godly. All of us heard everything from God directly. What do we need leaders for? I want to start a whole shakedown of a whole hierarchy system. My goal in that is to grab then the leadership for myself. But of course he understood he couldn't be the sole, you know, lone ranger fighter here to make serious change. So he took, he convinced 
250 other very, you know, honorable people to join him in his complaint. Again, not joining him saying, hey, I want to be the leader. Let's bring down Moses and Aaron and take me. But, you know, this isn't right. Why in the world do we need Aaron? Why do we need a high priest? Why do we need this whole concept when all of us are so holy and can just all be directly able to serve God? So when it's recording Karach's lineage, it goes all the way to Levi, but doesn't say Levi's father, Jacob, Yaakov. So Rashi explains, well, I mean, if you're going all the way back, you should go all the way back to Jacob. So Rashi says that Jacob prayed over this, that he should not be mentioned here because he didn't want his name to be part of this dispute. We do see in another place where actually Jacob's name is mentioned in reference to Kairach, not Karach himself, but later in discussing Karach's descendants, that he had many holy descendants, which we're going to mention later in Rashi, is actually one of says Rashi says, you know, Karach is so foolish. He thought he could argue against Moses and Aaron and win. But he saw with this divine spirit, these great, great descendants of his. So he said, I've got to win because look, I have all these holy descendants. But whatever. He didn't realize that he could lose and he could still have these holy descendants. So then when listing his descendants, it goes all the way back in their lineage till Levi, till Jacob. And Dustin and Aviram. Now, we of course know of Dustin and Aviram as these two perennial bad guys that always seem to be part of problems, even though of course they did have to be believers enough to leave Egypt because many Jews who are not believers in God didn't get out of Egypt. They have an interesting dichotomy here. But what was their issue here? In other words, Korach's argument was basically over the priesthood. So they weren't Levites. They weren't firstborn. They had no relationship to the priest. What are they joining a fight that has nothing to do with them? But they were his neighbors because they were of the tribe of Reuven. And Reuven was camped on the south next to where Kahath, in other words, which is the group of Levites that Kairach is a part of, where they camped. If you remember, three groups of Levites. Gershon, Kahath, and Merari, of which the most noble was Kahath. And Kairach was from Kahas, and he was quite noble within Kahas. So the tribe of Kahas was camped toward the south, where the tribe of Reuben was camped. They were neighbors. So because they were neighbors with someone wicked, they got pulled in to his wicked dispute. So we say, woe is to a wicked one, and woe is to his neighbor, that they got pulled in to the dispute of Kairach. They wouldn't have gained anything by it, but they were his neighbors. Now, of course, just the comment here, sort of interesting, Rashi is saying this here, because actually Dustin and Viren were viewed as quite wicked, and we could imagine as such, hey, if there's a problem, they're going to join in just because they like to be part of problems. I mean, you know, you know, know those people that like just they're going to join in an argument because they like to argue. It doesn't really care what they're arguing about. They like to argue. Yet still, despite that fact that we would just imagine Dustin and Viren joining because they like to be part of problems here, Still, Rashi says, no, they joined because they were neighbors. And a wicked neighbor pulls you into wickedness. So then Rashi says, what was Kairos' whole argument about? Now, this is not in the verse, because in the verse, even some verse is not clear, but the verse is like saying, like, what do you think you are being leaders over the people of God? What do they need leaders for? But actually, again, the irony is that Kairos started this rebellion because he wanted to be a leader, meaning 
I said Kairach was from the most noble of the Levite families. There were three Levite families. He was from the family of Kahas. There was Gershon, Kahas, and Merari. And Kahas was most noble. And Kairach was from Kahas. The family of Kahas, the prince of that, was appointed by Moses, was Elitzafan, the son of Uzziel. And Kairach was really upset. Now, why did Moses appoint Elitzafan? This is what God told him to do. Why was Kairach upset? Kairach said, listen, Kahaz had four sons. Amram, Yitzar, Hebron, and Uzziel. Amram, the oldest son, well, his two sons are the leaders of the entire Jewish people. Right? Moses is the king, and Aaron is the going up the high priest. So that's Amram's children. Who's next? Yitzar. Well, that's me. I'm the son of Yitzar. So if Amram, the oldest of his children, are already leading the Jewish people, then the second child, Yitzar, his child, me, should be leading the family of Kahaz. But for some reason, Moses appointed the son of the, the baby of the family, Uziel. He was the fourth son. Now, why did Moses appoint him? Because that's what God told him to do. Well, Kerach was really upset about this. Kerach, he was one of the richest men and one of the smartest. And he was like, no, someone like me, the richest, the smartest, I should lead this group of the tribe. But he said, again, I can't start a whole controversy claiming, hey, I should be the leader because, based on rightness, that my father is the second and Uziel is the fourth. I'm not going to get anywhere that way. But if I saw the whole controversy among the whole Jewish people and the whole authority of these priests, there'll be a whole shake down and I'll grab the power. So what did he do? He convinced 250 heads of court to join him. Most of those 250 were from the tribe of Reuben, his neighbors, as we already said. If you're neighbors of a bad person, you get pulled in. And he dressed them all because he was very, very wealthy. He was able to dress them all in cloaks completely of tchela. Uh This is actually the very end of the previous portion that we read on Shabbos on Saturday speaks of the commandment of tzitzit. And in the tzitzit string, one string of the strings of the tzitzit is supposed to be dyed with this very precious, very expensive, very rare tchelah dye. But nowadays, according to most opinions, we have no clue what it is. There are some that feel we do know, but most people feel we don't know. So it's very expensive, rare dye. So Kairach was so rich, he made 250 cloaks entirely dyed with tchelah. And he said to Moses, Moses, a cloak which is entirely tchelah, does it need tzitzit? Do we need to put these fringes on it? Or is it exempt? Now, Kairach thought that Moses would say, well, it's exempt, obviously. The whole cloak is tchelah. And then Kairach's next line that he planned was, okay. So just as this cloak, which is completely tchelah, and therefore doesn't need tzitzit, so similarly, the Jewish people, they're also holy and righteous and heard God directly at Mount Sinai. They don't need a leader. We don't need a, a priest be an intermediate between us and God, we all could be priests directly. We all could be high priests. That was his logic. But Moses messed up his argument. Moses said, yet, even though the entire cloak is tchelas, it needs tzitzis. Um, This is the example that Rashi brings. Kairach did a few others. But all bringing out the same point. Like if a room is completely full of, of holy books, does it need a mezuzah? Again, the same concept. And again, Kairach is thinking, well, of course it doesn't. And then we're going to follow up that same logic of like, well, so why do the Jewish people? And Moses said, no, the room does need a mezuzah, even though it's full of holy books. So, again, meaning even though the Jewish people are so, so holy, 
they still need a leader. They still need that representative to stand and represent them to God. When this verse, it says the sons of Reuven, it means Dustin of Irin and the son of Pelus. All of those were from the tribe of Reuven. Um, but there, as we said before, because since they were neighbors of Kairach, they were pulled into his plot. Next verse. They arose before Moses with men of the children of Israel, 250 of them, princes of the assembly, those summoned for meetings, men of renown. Meaning, when Kairach is making this conflict, he doesn't just pick 250 shlepers, but pulls 250 very honorable people to give credence to his rebellion. This rebellion against Moses is a serious business here. They gathered together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, it is much for you. The entire assembly, all of them, are holy, and God is among them. So why do you exalt yourselves over the congregation of God? Meaning, Korach was leading a rebellion against Moses and Aaron, and Korach was saying, as symbolized by the 250 men with these cloaks of Tchelet, what do we need leaders for? We're all holy. We all heard God at Sinai. What do we need you for? We, we, can, inter- we can connect to God directly. The Rashi and the words, it's much for you, say you have taken too much prominence for yourself. All of the nation are holy. All of them heard God from Sinai. From Sinai, Why do you exalt yourselves? Now here he means if you took the royalty, if you, Moses, are the king, why is your brother the high priest? Every, you know, at least spread the wealth. Somebody else should be, not just both of you from the same family. Moses heard and fell on his face. Now the question is, why did he fall on his face? Here Moses had stood up to so much contention, why suddenly did this make him feel so bad? I mean, why did he feel get so weakened by this? So Rashi says the problem is because this was already the fourth major transgression the Israelites had committed. They sinned in the golden calf. That was the first. And Moses pleased to God. Then they sinned with the, that incident of the people looking for a pretext to complain against God. And Moses pleaded. They sinned with the spies, and Moses pleaded. And now, we're going doing this one more time with Korach. Moses felt, uh, what's, uh, what, what am I supposed to tell God now? Rashi compares this to a son of a king who when he acts disgracefully, he goes to a friend of his father who appeases the father one time, two times, three times. When the son did this the fourth time, the friends felt, how can I keep bothering the king? I, he's going to, Still listen to me when I keep telling him the same stuff? Like, what's going on? 